Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners out there. Thank you so much for carving out some time for the podcast once again. Mike and I are going to come straight at you with another team in our team series preview. We have brought in Mark Rudy from the Las Cruces Sun News to talk about the New Mexico State Aggies. Please check out Mark's blog, Off the Mark, at lc-news.com, Las Cruces News. And you can follow Mark at M-R-U-D-I, number 19. So please give him a follow if you want to get some more Aggies information. Mark was nice enough to join us and give us some information about all of the new incoming Aggies this year. He said there were over 10, uh, about 10 new players coming in and talked a little bit about Coach Jans from Wichita State. He also gave us a heads up to check out and pay attention to the point guard, A.J. Harris. If you have not seen A.J. Harris, he is a diminutive point guard, formerly from Iowa St- uh, Ohio State. And go ahead and Google his dunk on Florida and you'll see why we're talking about him a little bit. And he also gave us the timeline and Zach Lofton's uh, Hamiltonian path to uh, New Mexico State. So please enjoy this conversation that we had with Mark Rudy from the Las Cruces Sun News. Again, you can follow, follow Mark at M-R-U-D-I-19. So give him a follow. And Screen the Screener listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Mike and I are really humbled and honestly like blown away by the amount of attention that you guys are giving the team preview series. And we really, really hope that you're enjoying it as much as we're enjoying talking to all these keyed in beat writers that are really giving us some keen knowledge. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you again. So enjoy the conversation with Mark. He's such a great guy. And uh, cheers, salancha, gratulatsia, everybody. Enjoy. All right, screen the screener college basketball listeners out there. Thank you so much for carving out some time for the podcast once again. And we are going to continue our team preview series for the listeners out there. And we're going to go out west a bit to the WAC conference. And we're going to talk about New Mexico State and the Aggies. And we brought in Mark Rudy from the Las Cruces Sun News. You can find Mark at M-R-U-D-I-19. Super simple Twitter follow. Uh, and you can find his uh, work at lc-news.com, lascrucesnews.com. Uh, Mark, thanks for giving the podcast a couple of minutes. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Gus? Real good, thank you. So let's just jump right into it and talk about the Aggies. One of the most interesting players that you guys have on the roster this year is a double-double machine, Eli Chua. He might be one of the only, he might be one of the handful of college basketball players this year that's going to average a double-double like with Angel Delgado or maybe Robert Williams from A&M or Jacques Landell, maybe even Thomas Welsh. Um, he was second team all whack last year. Uh, he almost averaged a double-double in league play with 14 points and 9.9 boards. How impactful is Chua in the conference? And do you think that he'll be one of those double-double monsters that wins game with like grit and effort and uh, dirty work that's needed down low? Yeah, absolutely. I think he can do that. He's definitely one of the best players in the whack. Um, even though he was a second, all you know, second team selection last year, he was a he's a preseason first team. I think he'll absolutely challenge for the WAC Player of the Year award. Uh, I definitely think he's he's you know top five in the conference right now. Um, you know, Eli Chua, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits 
in Chris Jans' new system. Um, obviously, he's on his third head coach in, in three years now, but really had a breakout year last year. Very good offensive rebounder. I want to say he was in the top 20 in the nation in offensive rebounding. I have to double-check that, but I know he was one of the top offensive rebounders in the nation. So that tells you right there that he's there for putbacks, which, you know, kind of leads to a lot of his points. Um, you know, it seems like he can draw fouls down in, in the post, too. But he's really added a uh, outside shot this year, too, to try and be more versatile, you know, to add to his game. Because you realize, if, if I want to get to the next level, I'm going to have to, you know, learn to shoot from the perimeter. And so he's going to be asked to do that this year. And Chris Jansen said he has a green light. Um, is that going to affect his rebounds a little bit? You know, we'll kind of see. You know, if he's, I don't think he's going to hang out on the perimeter, you know, 100% of the time, but he's definitely, uh, you know, going to be out there. But, you know, going into last season, you know, he really got himself in shape. Um, Paul Weir, the former coach, challenged him to get, uh, you know, to get into shape and, and uh, work on his body, and he did that. He lost weight. He gained muscle. And he really had a breakout year last year. He became the player that they thought he was going to be. Uh, I definitely expect big things from Eli Chua this year. Uh, I know Chris Jans really likes him too, so I would expect him to challenge for that WAC Player of the Year award this year. Wow, that's impressive. I, I think we all had him slotted in as a possible first-teamer, but challenging for player of the conference is pretty pretty lofty. I, I think we need to talk about another player that maybe could be on that you know first-team all-conference tier that you guys have brought in, Zach Lofton, the, the graduate transfer from Texas, Texas Southern. How is he going to fit into the offense? Just how good is he? And is he going to be integrated into a new, uh, a new system, a new school, and a new coaching staff? Uh, so there's a lot of newness that he has to deal with and get acclimated to. Just how good is Zach Lofton going to be for the Aggies? Oh, he's going to be very good. You know, Chris Jans expects him to be one of their, you know, their better players. Um, it is a lot for Zach, but I, I did talk to Zach, and one of the reasons, you know, main reasons he did come to New Mexico State was familiarity with a lot of things here. Um, and when he was at Illinois State, he knew about Chris Jans when he was at Wichita State, you know, obviously playing against him as well as associate head coach uh, Lou Godino, who was at Indiana State before he came to work for Chris Jans. And also his AAU coach, uh, Jeff, uh, his AAU coach knew Chris Jans, for, uh, so that was a reason why he came here. And then he knew also assistant coach Jeff Myatt, who came from Odessa College and San Jacinto College in Texas. And uh, I believe that was the JUCO that, that Lawson played for, so he had familiarity with the staff. Um, you know, he's a scorer. You know, that's basically what Jans expects him to be. The, the guy's a scorer. And you could just see it in his, uh, you know, athleticism. Um, you know, I, I expect him to be playing the two guard. I know he played a lot of uh, the point guard at Texas Southern last year. Um, he can play inside over the three if needed. But I know in preseason practice he's been playing the two because they're pretty set at point guard right now. But definitely a huge get for New Mexico State in the uh, – in the offseason, you know, anytime you can add a conference player of the year and a guy who's been to the NCAA tournament uh, like Lofton has, and, and even you can say he's a high major player because even though he never played a game, he was at Minnesota for a year. So to add a guy like that, uh, there are huge expectations for him. Um, I, I expect him to be one of the better players in the conference and definitely a guy that, you know, just is going to be a huge key for New Mexico State. And he, he's hungry to get back to the tournament, too. This is his last year as a grad transfer, and, and he, uh, you know, he brings that experience and, He's going to be a guy that can be a, probably win a lot of games for New Mexico State, too. Yeah, it seems like he could be one of those guys that uh, has, the, has the ball in late shot clock situations for the Aggies and really create off the dribble and create for himself or create for others. It seems like he's that difference maker on the playmaking side for sure. You know what? Every successful program, along with having a stud, needs one of those like 
program lifers that's been around, that, that, that's been through the battles. And it seems like uh, senior Jermo Jones is just that. The 6'5 guard is just like Chewy. He does a little bit of everything. He had nine, nine double-doubles during the season. He had averaged, uh, you know, eight-plus boards from, you know, the guard slash wing spot. He was second on the team in assists, shoots over 50% from the field. It just seems like he's one of those program guys. Is he going to be in the starting lineup this year? And then what kind of impact do you think he's going to have in the starting lineup? Uh, I'm not sure if he'll be in the starting lineup yet. You know, they haven't really set that as of this point. Last year, he did not start. He actually came off the bench. So I would not be surprised if they kind of see him in that six-man role again. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, because that was a, a area they really liked. I had asked last year, obviously a different coaching staff, but I had asked, like, are you going to bring Jamario Jones in a starting role? And like, we kind of like him off the bench. He seems to thrive. It, it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes. And he was always there at the end of games. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the kid is, if you see him, I mean, he's everywhere on the floor. Like, just when you think that, you know, oh, there's no way he's going to get this rebound, he comes in there and grabs the rebound for a putback or draws a foul to get the line on, on a putback. Um, and really, you mentioned at 6'5", he's playing a forward spot. He usually plays the four. And he's completely undersized for that position. But he plays so well there. And, you know, he, he gets in there for blocks and, um, you know, I expect him to, you know, absolutely thrive in, in this new, um, in Jans' system too, where Jans really kind of thrives on rebounding and defense. And that fits uh, Jamirio's game so well. Yeah, it seems like that, uh, if Jans is going to bring a little bit of that Wichita State flavor, that Jones is the perfect fit for that. He's an effort guy. He's a little bit of do everything guy, multifaceted. He's not, you can't just peg him into one skill set. And it seems like Jones would be the perfect match for that type of program. And speaking of Coach Jans, I mean, he's coming from Wichita State. Uh, he's probably going to bring some of that play angry approach. What have you seen thus far in the preseason or heard from the practice floor that impresses you that Aggie fans can get excited about? Maybe talk about some of Jans' like coaching characteristics for the listeners that don't know him as a as a head coach. Um, well, you know, obviously I haven't seen him coach a game yet. I have some familiarity with him um, at, from Bowling Green because I do I'm a Western Michigan grad, so I do follow MAC basketball. Um, yep. But you know, obviously for characteristics, this is a guy who prides himself on defense and rebounds. Um, you know, he's definitely. You know, he's definitely hard on his team. You know, he wants, you know, he wants the best out of them. Uh, and you mentioned, yeah, he wants to bring a lot of that Wichita State approach to New Mexico State. Uh, he told me in the spring that he tried to kind of do it at Bowling Green, but it wasn't just the right fit at that time. And obviously, he still led them to a really good season, uh, a 20-win season, his only year at, at Bowling Green. Um, but maybe this is the program that, that you know, could do that. There's, this program's had success in the past. Uh, but, you know, he wants to kind of implement that stuff slowly, whereas at Bowling Green, he kind of tried to do it right away. Um, but, you know, definitely expect his characteristics. You know, he's, he, I think he's a good X's and O guy, you know, to see uh, that's everything I've heard. Uh, you know, great basketball mind, obviously learned under uh, one of the best, and uh, Greg Marshall at Wichita State. Um, and as a head coach, the guy's had success everywhere he's been. I mean, he was a junior college head coach for a long time. I think he won two national titles at the junior coach level. Um, his only year at Bowling Green, that's a program that has been struggling for years and I think took them to a 20 and, you know, 20 win season, at least 20 wins, took them to the collegeinsider.com tournament. Um, and he has high expectations for this program because he knows that this name carries weight in the industry. And I know sometimes NMSU fans, uh, you know, don't think that, but, uh, you know, he knows that because this program always gets to the tournament that uh, this program, this name, you know, in Mexico State carries weight in the uh, college basketball industry. So he knows the expectations are high for this program, and he wants to continue that. Um, 
but yeah, I would say definitely his, his programs are going to be built on defense and, uh, and rebounding. And he definitely wants to play fast too, but we'll have to see if he can get, uh, you know, 11, you know, 10 or 11 guys in the rotation, uh, which might be a process at first, but you know, we'll see. Right. It's, yeah. It seems like everywhere he's been, he's found success. And as if you're looking for a head coach, you're looking for a coach that's going to bring that sustained success, no matter the program, no matter the level. And coach, you know, coach Jans definitely had brings that to the table. And especially with his pedigree from uh, Wichita State, like you said, from Coach Marshall. Mark, do you think he can bring us into the locker room or the practice floor a little bit and just talk a little bit about like the team vibe or the team identity, maybe some that's left over from last year and the, 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 the new identity or characteristics or vibe that they're trying to formulate mm-hmm. and create for this upcoming season? Like what, what is going to really stand out if you're watching the Aggies play and you say like, oh man, that team is really blank. Like, what what do you, what's going to jump off the screen at people when they watch Aggie basketball this season? Um, I think they're probably at this point still trying to find an identity. This is a, obviously a new coaching staff, a new system. They have ten new players on the team. Uh, you know, Chris Jans has kind of said that the, the fans are going to need their programs early in the season to see who these guys are. I think they only have three or four that played in a whack tournament game last year, and that's not including City End Gear, who. Uh, you know, was one of the better players last year before getting injured, and he's back now this year. So they have about four who have played in a, uh, you know, in a whack game. Um, but to answer your question, I would say, like, I think that team works really hard. Like, at least in what I've seen in practice and my conversations, it's a team that's going to get after it on defense. As I kind of talked about, that's Chris Jans' philosophy. He builds his team on defense. I think if you're going to go to the Pan American Center and watch the team, you're going to say, man, that team is all over the ball. Um, you know, they're, they're just swarming on defense. That's what this program is going to be built on. And obviously it's just, they're, they're kind of still trying to gel a little bit too. Um, you know, with, that's going to happen with 10 new guys. So we'll have to see early in the season, uh, you know, how that works, especially against a, a pretty tough schedule too. But, you know, that we'll just have to see how they, how they gel together. Yeah. I think that's going to be, I mean, Coach Jans is going to be put to the put to the grinder right away. He's got to figure out how to create that chemistry and have these guys, uh, you know, kind of bond with one another with all those different personalities coming from different places and really having them buy into the program and what he's trying to and what he's trying to put forth and sell. Um, you mentioned the Pan American Center. Bring bring us into a home game. You know, we know that the pit is one of the craziest places in college hoops out in New Mexico. We know people in New Mexico love their college hoops. I mean, you mentioned that before. But, like, what's the atmosphere at the Pan American Center in Las Cruces? Does the student section play a large role? Give the listeners, like, a little thumbnail sketch. Like, what's it like for a home game for uh, the New Mexico uh, State Aggies? Well, I think a lot of people would tell you, especially the people who've been, you know, followed NMSU basketball a long time, would tell you that uh, it used to be better you know, about 10 years ago, and especially in the 90s when, you know, NMSU was going to Sweet 16s in the early 90s and they beat UNLV here in 1990, that the Pan Am was full every single night when they were filling it to about 12,000. Even about 10 years ago when Reggie Theus was here, you know, they were filling the Pan Am to about, you know, 10 or 12,000 when they hosted the WAC tournament here, uh, when they played Boise State for the final. I think they won it, uh, beat Utah State in the final in 2006, if I'm correct. But, yeah, those were here in Las Cruces and the Pan Am was full. Now they're kind of having attendance problems. Um, even last year, you know, they went on a 20-game win streak and a 28, uh, you know, 20, they won 28 games, which was a program record. Um, yeah. You know, they could only, they could only get the, the panel about half full. And, you know, there obviously are a number of reasons for that. You know, college basketball tennis around the country is down. Um, you know, in the area, too, it's down. UNM's has been down. UTEP's has been down as well. Um, but, you know, definitely, and the administration would say that it needs to be better. 
Um, the attendance. My understanding is, is that uh, season tickets are doing pretty well. They introduced a uh, new plan where if you, I think if you did it, you got season tickets by July 1st, you got a WAC championship replica ring. So a lot of people jumped on that. Um, and and a, a, a move that I liked that they made last year was they moved, because they couldn't, you know, sell out basically the arena, they moved everybody into the lower bowl. So they don't sell tickets in the upper bowl until the lower bowl is full. And I think that made the atmosphere a lot better. It made it louder um, for a lot of games, especially a lot of close games. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, that was a really good move, uh, you know, to kind of move everybody to the lower bowl, which is probably about, I'd say, 6,000 people in the lower bowl. Um, as far as the students goes, you know, I think it kind of depends. If it's, if it's UNM, uh, yeah, definitely they're, they're going to show up. Or if it's UTEP that's coming in because those are the rivalry games they're going to show up. And lately, Grand Canyon, because Grand Canyon students have been, uh, Grand Canyon usually has a bus that, uh, you know, houses their, or takes their students over here for the Grand Canyon NMSU game. So the NMSU students have been showing up too. But I think a lot of people would admit that the student, uh, you know, student attendance needs to get better here on campus. Um, you know, there's obviously a number of reasons why that's been, you know, declined. But, um, yeah, I would say it's decent. Do they have a factor? I think it depends. On certain games, once again, I think if it's a rivalry game or Grand Canyon or a bigger game, they do. But certainly that area needs to be better. And I think NMSU administration would uh, would definitely agree and say they need to get more students out to the games. That makes sense. Well, hopefully some of those some of those rivalry games do fill up, and the atmosphere is how it should be. And and you know, like you mentioned, it was in, in previous seasons uh, when Mexico State had it rolling for sure. Hey, you know what? Can we just touch on real fast? You mentioned one player that we kind of forgot in our rundown. And um, I kind of forgot about him due to his injury last year. And people might not know, but um, you mentioned uh, Sidi Nanir. He's back from injury. Do you think you can, uh, like, what is, what's going to be on the scouting report uh, for the opposing teams of things that he really excels at and things that he gives opposing teams problems with? Well, Sidi, I think he's, he's definitely a scorer. You know, you definitely saw that early in the year last year. I think he led the team in scoring before he got hurt. Um, and who knows where this team could have gone if he was healthy, you know, to win 28, essentially you know, 28 games without him, and then uh, they would have had him, you know, who who knows how far this team could have gone. But, yeah, definitely a high-major player. Originally was going to go to Texas A&M, and, and uh, for some reason or other, ends up, you know, comes here to New Mexico State. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen much of him just because he, he's been you know, injured most of the time, and he redshirted his, his first year here. But I definitely think of a scouting report. He's a guy you're going to have to defend. I think he's a very good, uh, you know, very good you can play point guard or two guard. I think he's working the two guard or point guard right now. No, he's working the two guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a guy who can score. I think he can create for others. Um, you know, he seems to have a pretty good, you know, move to the basket. I think he can get to the free throw line and draw fouls. He's definitely a player that you're going to have to lock in on on defense, uh, you know, for him. I think he comes off screens very well too, you know, to kind of, you know, so other people can create for him. Uh, but I think New Mexico State, you know, arguably has the best backcourt in the, uh, in the WAC, you know, when you had Zach Lofton, City Endier, and the guy we have not talked about, A.J. Heron, is that point guard who was an Ohio State transfer uh, who will be eligible this year. That kid's only 5'9", but his athleticism is huge, and you can just see his speed, and, and he's probably going to be one of the better, you know, if not the best point guard in the conference. So, you know, you could definitely say New Mexico State with those three guys definitely has the best backcourt in the conference. Wow, that, that seems loaded. That seems like they're just talent all over the place. And like you mentioned, like not just – uh, mid-major talent, but high-major talent that has come down a level. 
that's pretty impressive. Hey, I guess we'll get you out of here on this, Mark. You mentioned the schedule earlier. I mean, you have a tilt with St. Mary's, New Mexico, of course. Uh, you mentioned the UTEP rivalry game. You have Illinois. You have a shot at Davidson. How important are these uh, pre-se- uh, pre-conference game, uh, pre-conference uh, schedule games for New Mexico State? Do they need to take advantage of them, or do you think the gelling process that you mentioned earlier is going to play a role in some of these early season matchups? Um, I think it's the latter right now, just because goodness, this is probably the best schedule they've seen in a long time, and and I, I've always said too, this is probably the type of schedule New Mexico State should be playing. Uh, it's definitely one of the, you know, better, in my opinion, better mid-major programs in the nation. This schedule was built under what was kind of thought was going to be a different team. Um, you know, Paul Weir and his staff did most of the schedule before they left uh, for New Mexico. So we kind of thought it was going to be more of a, you know, more of a veteran team like they had last year with guys coming back that could really, you know, do well with the schedule. Um, but, I mean, I, I think this team is definitely going to be battle-tested come, you know, the WAC season. And I think it's, it's piqued a lot of fan interest, too. That's been a very uh, common complaint, I would say, against the fans or among the fans is the, the type of schedule that they have played. Um, and you have, you know, you have some solid matches. Colorado State, too, coming in here for uh, to finish a home-and-home. And Colorado State and New Mexico State have played just battles the past, uh, you know, three or four times they've played. Larry Eustace, likes playing the Aggies. So it'll be interesting to see if they play, if they have, uh, they get to that series as well. Um, they go to UC Irvine to complete a home and home, and Irvine is one of the better Big West teams, and they've played them, I think, the past three years, and they've had some pretty good games with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see. I do think they need to take you know, advantage of some of these wins because, in, in my opinion, and the fans, some people would also agree, is that New Mexico State, you know, because of their league, you know, they're generally going to get that 14, that 15 seed if they go to the tournament. I mean, they really haven't had many opportunities to pick up big wins. You know, they've played at Wichita State the past, um, you know, a couple of times. They played, uh, you know, they beat Arizona State last year, but Arizona State wasn't, you know, very good. I think last year their best win RPI-wise was Cal State Bakersfield, who's in their conference. So, right. you know, there's, there's these opportunities now because, you know, you mentioned Davidson, uh, Illinois. Um, you know, they're going to play St. Mary's the second game of the season on the road, and that's an opportunity right there. Um, you know, they might get Miami in the second round of the Diamond Head Classic. You know, they could see a USC possibly in the Diamond Head Classic, an Akron, um, somebody like that. So I, I like this schedule. Um, it, it's going to challenge them. You know, you have a couple Power Fives. You're going to an uh, a MTE, um, which, you know, I'm happy to see they're playing the Diamond Head Classic because this is a program that had not been playing in those type of MTEs. And that's something right. that, um, you know, that's something that Chris Jantz wants to continue. So uh, I think it's always good for your program because also if you, you know, if you were to pick up a win over, say, a Miami or a USC or something and they have a good season, you know, that's just going to, you know, help your RPI. So they definitely need to try and take advantage of, of some of these non-conference games to help potentially help out their RPI at their seed, you know, come March. I agree. You know what? When I saw that St. Mary's game, I, I kind of flashed back to that UT Arlington uh, game where UT Arlington uh, actually went in last year and beat. St. Mary's and was one of the only teams to beat them the entire season. So maybe the Aggies can, you know, jump on the same type of opportunity, whether it be against St. Mary's or somebody else. I mean, that, that, that opportunity comes, comes along every so often. And it seems like that the Aggies have a few opportunities at that. Mark, we really appreciate a couple of minutes here, giving the listeners real keen insight on the Aggies. And remember guys, you can find Mark on Twitter at M-R-U-D-I number 19. And you can also find his work at L-C 
hyphen uh, news.com. So please hit him up at the Las Cruces Sun News. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for a couple of minutes here. We totally appreciate it. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So